30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard Welcome back, Ritual Participants, to another special quarantine transmission of This Podcast is a Ritual. Now, whether you've been sheltered in place on your own, or with a partner, or with friends, or roommates, or family, I know that there's one person you've probably been spending a lot of time with lately. Yourself. We're all confronting ourselves in various ways, spending more time alone and dealing with the monologue that exists constantly in our head, that ongoing conversation that we hold with ourselves. Now, the New Age author Eckhart Tolle famously had an enlightenment experience that came after a period of incredible anxiety and depression. The way Eckhart tells it is that he was lying in bed just an absolute existential agony and thought, I can't do this. I can't live with myself anymore. And suddenly he realized how absurd that sentence was. I can't live with myself. Who is the I and who is the myself? Who are these separate beings that he had created in his own mind? And we do this all the time. We give ourselves a hard time or we give ourselves a pep talk. We try and tell ourselves what we're going to do or how this year is going to be different. And we try and commit to goals by seducing ourselves with rewards or by promising to punish ourselves if we fail to meet our own rigorous demands. It's a very weird, strange topic, and I wanted to discuss it with somebody who I know has spent a lot of time thinking about this as well. So today we've got a very special guest on the podcast. He's a wizard. He's the host of this podcast as a ritual. And uh, I'm pleased to introduce Devin Person. As together, we learn how to talk to ourselves. Well, hello, Devin Person. Or should I call you me? No, no, that'll be confusing. Hello, Devin Person, and welcome to ritual space. Well, thank you, Devin. It's uh, it's great to be here. And yes, it's probably going to be confusing. What's our magic word going to be today? Hmm. Today's magic word is unconscious. Unconscious. All right. Everyone, you know the drill. Say it out loud on the count of three. One, two, three. Unconscious. unconscious. All right, Devin. I've got to ask. Why unconscious? Well, I picked unconscious because I, you know, we, we get this terminology from Freud, more or less, that there's these different levels in our mind and some parts we're aware of and some that we're not. And this was a pretty radical shift that has since become the baseline. It's not very controversial to talk about the unconscious anymore, but we didn't used to think that way. 
And when it comes to the unconscious, we now have this idea that there's parts of our mind, there's parts of ourself that is not the part that we are aware of. Um, the visual that I always like to think about is this idea of being on stage under a spotlight and you're working with the whole crew who is behind the curtain and they're passing you props and they're shuffling the sets around and they're doing all this other vital work, but you can't see back there. You can only see what's in the spotlight. And so you're trying to star in the play while also directing the play while also having limited access um, to what's happening behind the curtain. Why do you think we're arranged like that? Like, why do you think we don't just have complete awareness of our entire self all at once? Like just, you know, no backstage, just able to see everything. Well, that's a great question. Like why, why can't we just see everything? And it's because the different parts that we're comprised of are actually different systems that have pretty fundamentally different and even alien purposes. Like there is a part of, of us, of me, of you, of everyone that deals with language. And that part is probably the one that is what we think of as our internal monologue. But there is another part that is concerned with breathing. It's at a fully automatic level. We're not consciously thinking about breathing, even though we can exert conscious control on breathing if we choose to. But so this part that is concerned with breathing doesn't speak language. That's not, that's not its skill set. So how would you communicate with that breathing part trying to use words? or the other parts of you that are controlling digestion, or the other parts that were formed before you learned language, that are uh, left over from infancy, or the parts that are um, traumatized. And so they, uh, they're they maybe not ready to fully speak up. And it's like they're, like, they're like the shy kid in the class, right? It's like not everyone in the class is going to be excited to come up to the front for show and tell. And so we have to understand that these different parts have different roles that they're playing. And um, it would be too much to fit in that spotlight of awareness to try and have constant awareness of everything all at once. If you think about having a conversation, you want to focus on who you're talking to and ignore the sounds in the cafe and the distractions and the squeaking chair and the crying baby and all the other things. And you would not be able to focus on that conversation if you were also aware of your bowels processing what you ate and the the command to constantly beat your heart and all of these other things that are happening, um, thankfully, behind the scenes at that unconscious level. So if we don't speak the same language as all of our parts and we, we don't have the same uh, goal, how can we work together as a team? How can each individual not be fighting themselves constantly? So thankfully, the situation that we're in is that these parts have grown up together and so they are mostly harmonious. We notice when things go awry and we trip, for example. Like when the parts that are responsible for keeping us mobile and walking 
don't see that crack in the sidewalk, we notice it and it feels like a big deal, but we don't pay attention to all of the times that our left leg and right leg are working perfectly in sync while we're also holding a conversation with our friend, while we're also dodging that low-hanging branch, and we're doing all of this all at once and it feels very seamless. And so we really do work together as a team quite well, but there are higher level things that then seem to get into conflict such as when uh, we want to eat a tasty treat, but we also want to get fit for the beach this summer. And these are goals that have different timelines. Uh, it's going to taste awesome to have that tasty treat right now. Uh, the, the summer beach bod idea is more abstract and far away in that moment. And so we're balancing um, different scales of time and uh different urges that are um it's important it's like a healthy robust debate uh to figure out how to hear the different urges and not be a slave to any one of them we wouldn't want the urge to snack to be entirely dominant because then whenever we had the faintest little glimpse of hunger we would immediately be snacking but we also don't want the demanding uh beach bod part of ourselves to be in total control because then we would starve ourselves and that's generally you know where you get into trouble is when one part has seized more control than it maybe ought to have and uh then we're struggling against uh urges that seem to be more dominant than we want them to be and uh trying to figure our way out of that situation how does time play a role in this what what do you think about you know there's the the you that you are right now and the you that you were yesterday when you were me and then there's a future you uh how does how does time play into this idea of parts and, and pieces and when we're talking to ourselves well i mean so working with yourself through time the the common one i think there's even like a jerry seinfeld thing where he talks about this but there's like present me and future me and eventually when i become future me present me is now past me and so the classic example is I'm going to wake up nice and early tomorrow and I have this great plan of how I'm going to wake up early and start my day and not sleep in. And then that's who sets the alarm clock. And then the me that wakes up in the morning is like, yo, fuck this. I'm hitting snooze and going back to sleep. Like that guy's not my boss. And so just this 12 hour time difference of like the planning part and the actually doing part you end up with very different perspectives. And that is hard. Um, it, it, there's no easy solution there because what we do is we, we project our wants into the future and we don't think about the wants of that future self. We think that it sounds like a great idea to go jogging on Monday because it's Saturday and we're at the party and we're eating the pizza and we're doing the thing. And uh, so when the time comes, we're not thinking about what am I actually going to feel like when it's I'm groggy as hell and the alarm's going off and the blankets are so warm. And so it's kind of like, um, like if you were throwing a surprise party for a friend who's an introvert, like you're not thinking about what does that, uh, what is that person actually going to want and what is ideal for them? What are the techniques that you use for uh, talking with your parts? 
when I first got interested in magic, that was one of the things that really appealed to me was this idea that uh, magic was a metaphor and we could deal with our parts and our own internal psychology through this visual language and symbolic language of magic. And one of the ideas that really stood out was, um, you know, treat a bad habit like a demon. Like, that's not you that's doing it. It's the demon that's doing it. And cast the demon out. And I was living in Austin, Texas, and I was smoking cigarettes more than I wanted to. I had smoked for a while, and then I'd quit. And then I was doing that annoying thing where I would, like, smoke whenever I went out and drank because it's just so easy to talk to people when you can go, like, hey, can I get a cigarette? And so I was doing that, and it would give me the worst hangovers. Like, so I would go out, I would get drunk, and then I would smoke a million cigarettes, and then I'd feel like garbage the next day. And I wasn't really that good at breaking the habit. I kept telling myself I was going to, and it wouldn't happen. I would then just go out and smoke again. And so I decided that I was going to cast the demon out. Were you able to cast the demon out? Did it work? Well, yeah, I was I was actually totally able to cast the smoking demon out. Um, I think for that one, I like, I don't think I made myself smoke a bunch of cigarettes. Um, I, I broke cigarettes and I put them in this jar and I did this whole little thing and it was totally effective. Like I, I then went out and I was amazed at how I was able to just let that desire go to just feel this separation from the, from the part of me that wanted to do those things. It was just, it was just that one. No, it wasn't just that one. There was another one. And that was I, similar, same time period of my life. Um, my drinking was getting a little bit erratic. I wasn't, you know, I was never arrested or anything, but I was just being, I was starting fights and then I would de-escalate them, but I would start them and then de-escalate them. And it was a bad look. I was just being a little bit too out of control. And so that one, I took a longer time to not drink and sort of weaken the demon. And then I did this whole ritual where I, um, I put 151 in my mouth and held it and that burns, it burns like crazy. And then like spit that into this jar and sealed it with wax and, um, had that with me for several moves. And then when I was finally moving away from Texas, I buried it in a friend's backyard. So, uh, yeah, my, my alcohol demon is buried somewhere in Texas right now. Buried in Texas. Okay. That's, uh, that's, that's a new you know, I, I have not heard of AA embracing that, but, uh, you know, whatever works for you apparently also worked for me. So good job. Well, the thing that I, what, what I want to be clear about is that I think this demon strategy, you know, it, it worked for me at the time. But as I've grown and as I've learned more about um, different ideas about parts therapy or uh, the internal family systems is, is one of the schools um, that you always want to be looking for the positive intent. Uh, one of the models that they talk about in internal family systems is this idea that it's a bus. Everybody is a big old school bus and no one gets off the bus. So like all of your various parts and stuff, they're there with you. And yes, there are some that are setting fires and carving their initials into the seats and behaving badly, but you can't kick them off the bus and just punishing them over and over isn't going to help them feel better and behave more. And so what you need to do is learn what their positive intent is. What do you mean by positive intent? Well, it's a part that it's like, it's like the overbearing parent. It like, it wants the best for its kid, but it's doing it 
in a not ideal way. It's trying to use tough love and pressure and criticism to motivate when sometimes that criticism just is demotivating and it does the opposite. But if you think about having no criticism, if that part was entirely gone, uh, you would never learn from your mistakes. You would never realize that you said the wrong thing at the party and hurt the person's feelings and you wouldn't feel guilty or bad about it and you wouldn't change that behavior. Or you wouldn't um, realize that one of your other parts that is making you stay in bed and eat Cheetos all the time, that would just get out of control and you would never find a way to get from out from under that uh, that part's influence and do something more positive. So the, the positive influence is, or the positive intent is is there. It's just the manner in which it's being expressed. Why do you think that voice ends up being so critical? Like, what's the deal? Like, it's us, right? It, it's just us in our brain. So, like, why do we critique ourselves or just shit on ourselves in a way that we would never do to a friend or a family member or a partner? Like, it can just be so much harsher than we would to anybody else. Why don't we treat ourselves with more respect? Why? I mean, yeah. Why? Why? Why is it so harsh sometimes? Like, why isn't it? Why can't we talk to ourselves the way that we would talk to a friend? You know, I think it maybe it's over familiarity. Maybe it's like these parts have just been with each other for so long that they just forget that they have to be nice. Um, it's frustration at not getting what they want. I don't know. It's 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 hard, and it's definitely something that I think maybe some people figure out better strategies early on and other people get stuck in cycles that are really difficult and it, and it takes a lot of help to learn how to have those conversations in a more positive way. What do you do when the, the inner monologue just becomes unbearable when it's like you, you can't really have a conversation. It's like a, it's like a Facebook argument. Like the other, the other party's not acting in good faith, even though it's still you at the end of the day. Well, one of the most important things that you can do is learn that you don't have to have a dialogue with those parts. The same way that if a friend was in your house and just criticizing everything that you were doing, you could be like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to this. Like, I'm going to go. I think we, it's, or I'll speak for myself. I have found that I'll get into a dialogue with this part and I'll try and explain why I'm not that bad or explain why I shouldn't do this thing or that. And it's actually been way more helpful to learn when it's not a productive conversation to have and when... I can't turn the volume off on that part. I'm still hearing that voice, but I can kind of tune it out a little bit more. And I can say, okay, this part's telling me this list of reasons of why I'm a bad person. I don't need to go through the list and argue with each one because that kind of validates it in a weird way. And instead, I can just uh, focus on the things that I know are helpful that I want to do and trust that this voice will fade as I move through those. So I'm going to go through a walk. I'm going to make myself something to eat. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to go exercise, whatever it might be. Um, and trust that if I do enough of those positive things, if I get a good night's sleep, that voice will start to get quieter. And that's been really one of the most um, important parts. So how do you how do you work together? I think that's where magic really comes in. And magic can be seen as a tool for 
interacting with parts and learning to listen to them and hear like, what do you want? Why are you behaving in this way? What is your positive intent? And then also communicating back and saying, cool, well, your intent for me to be more social is resulting in me getting blackout and embarrassing myself uh, every weekend. So let's try a new strategy. And it's not about demanding and controlling, but more like a, a coach at halftime. You're giving the, the speech that gets everyone together and on the same page. So you think that's your higher self? Yeah, I think I think I think that's what it is, is that it's um, it's a part that is. Uh, like if we're talking about the bus, right, everyone takes turns driving the bus, but deep in the back of the bus there's like the coolest teacher who gets along with everyone, even the bad students and is chill. They're not taking charge. They're not trying to take over, but they're chill. And if you go and you sit with them and you talk to them, they're very helpful. They're very, very helpful. And so I think in that moment for me, when I was struggling going back and thinking that that voice was going to tell me all these positive things, it was making me realize the absurdity of my situation that I didn't need to hear positive things. I needed to see the absurdity of it. And so I think that that has been kind of a core aspect of what wizardry is, is I, you know, I, I started all this by imagining this future self. That was my best wizard I could be. And I don't have direct access to me as an old man, who's a supremely awesome wizard, but I do have this voice in my head that if I work for it, I can listen to and tune in and who's very, uh, very much a helpful ally. And that's become, um, you know, an important part of my magical system. Is this something you believe to be true across all magical systems, most magical systems? I won't say all magical systems, but I mean, you know, in new age culture, it's like your higher self. Um, in AA, they talk about a higher power, which is more like God, but it's still, you know, it's still kind of personally related. Um, and then the Western esoteric tradition talks about the holy guardian angel being in conversation with your holy guardian angel. And I think, you know, again, I won't say that this is universal to all magical systems, but you kind of have this idea of there's the the parts that are within you and maybe this higher one is the part that is standing at the bridge between you and what Jung called the collective unconscious or people might call the spirit realm. It's the it's the part that gets outside of you and towards something that's more ineffable and divine. And if you go all the way up into that ineffable divine part, like reading, you know, Buddhist texts and talking about enlightenment, um, there's no separation. Everything is all one. And that's great, super, super fun to be all one, but um, it doesn't really relate back to the the daily moments. It's like when you talk to the new age person, they're like, just just love, love, you know, live, laugh, love. And you're like, that doesn't help me with like the problem I have with my roommate, like, it's not always that easy. And so I think the higher self is a halfway point between that vast ineffability and something that's more specific and personal, which is how you see deities in a lot of religions. Like there's the idea that there's the big gods who are so vague and abstract, they don't care about stuff. And then the practitioners petition the more minor deities who care about human affairs and are happy to get um, some sweets and a bowl of milk set out. And they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll 
bring some prosperity your way. Um, and so, yeah. How do you, how do you feel about, you know, being a higher wizard? How do you feel about being my higher wizard? How do I feel about being your higher wizard? Well, I guess, I guess I would describe my role as being like a loving, supportive parent. Like I, I know that you're not perfect, but I am rooting for you all the time, just all the time. Like I'm just always wanting you to be happy and to grow in fun and surprising positive ways. And I, I also understand the parts that are more critical and negative. Like I, 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 you know, I know them, but I don't share their same approach. I feel like I just have a lot more open hearted love and want you to be able to access this. It's like, I am here for you when you need it. Uh, if I could loan you money, I would. Uh, but instead of money, I'm just going to give you belief and encouragement and acceptance, which I think is really important. I think some of the other parts are a little bit more pushy and they want to stay in the driver's seat or keep other parts from saying their piece. And I'm just really, I feel very open I feel very loving. I feel very supportive. And I know that you're a unique and wonderful person. And I, I see it when you forget that. And I, I'm here to remind you that uh, the darkest voices are not true. And you don't have to do anything to be worthy of love. Like you can, you can just be, and that's fine. You don't have to do anything. You can not be a wizard. You can be a wizard. You can, you can be a financial success. You can be a financial failure. Like it's, it's just an amazing thing to be you as a person and be experiencing the world through that lens. And I believe in you. Your magic is real. You know, like that's, that's the whole idea is like, I, I think that you're capable of doing amazing things and I, I'm happy to be the like part that helps you um, reach a little bit higher, not hurting yourself, but like lifting you up as you reach higher. And I, I think, you know, I'm really proud of the work that you've done to do stuff like this. Like this is kooky. You're, you know, having a conversation with yourself. You've committed to doing the quarantine podcast. You've, you, you became a wizard, you know? And so I really hope that you can just feel how much I appreciate you and I hope that your listeners who are tuning into this, um, they all have higher wizards or higher selves or holy guardian angels or whatever you want to call it. And I hope that they can take um, inspiration from this conversation and they can access that part of themselves because it's it's really, really beneficial. Like, All right. Well, what's a spell our listeners can do? Um yeah, everyone should just do a little, take a moment, like light a candle, look into the flame, and listen for the voice of their higher self. Just listen for the voice and hear the message that it wants to give them. And it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be spoken in a booming angelic voice. It doesn't have to come with a clear image, but it might. You know, everyone's unconscious is different. And so just listen. Just listen and give yourself enough time. Do it for like 15 minutes or something. Give, give yourself enough time that you can let go of the other voices and say, thank you for sharing. Not right now. I'm here to tune into this voice that's a little bit quieter. And see how that goes. 
All right, Devin, thank you for being here. I mean, well, thank you for having you me. Know, you came all this way. Uh, this was a great conversation. I just got to say, I believe in you. Your magic is real. No, no. Your magic's real. No, I, be- no, I believe in you. Your magic is real. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Get out of here. Get out of here. Take it easy. For more of Devin's magic, you can visit www.personisawake.com and support his podcast at patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual. I hope you're sheltering in place well, uh, just, you know, finding the silver lining and the dark clouds that are brewing overhead. And hopefully this was helpful for you. It was uh, fun for me to do. And I think Devin had a good time too. And yeah, if you want to let us know what you thought or you've got a question uh, for a future episode, give the Wizard Hotline a call. I'd love to hear from you because I am literally talking to myself right now. So 860-415-6009. Call, leave a question. I will respond. Um, I believe in you. Your magic is real. We got this. We got this.